0: Welcome to Unraveling Midlife, I'm your host Sarah Spence. Thanks for joining me as I explore my own astrological midlife by speaking with all sorts of inspiring people about their life and work and how what happened or is happening in their astrological midlife helped to get them to where they are today. Astrological midlife relates to Western astrology transits that run from the mid-30s to the mid-40s for every human. Each of the four main midlife transits have an overall theme, though details vary by generation and by individual. I'm right in the middle of these four main midlife transits, or maybe a little past halfway, um, learning lots on this journey. And I love learning from my guests on the show. If you're new to the show, welcome. You can also follow me on social media as Sarah Marlowe Spence. And you're welcome to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. At the end of each show is some original music by me. And there's a link to my website in the show notes where you can find details of upcoming events. Often that includes music gigs or kirtan, joyful chanting and dream workshops. We have episodes on both of these in prior shows of Unraveling Midlife. There are a couple of dream workshops coming up. Shamanic Dream Journey One Day Workshop on 13th of August with Georgia Maestri in New Zealand's Bay of Plenty. And on the last weekend of August, there is an online dream workshop that should suit Australasian and American time zones as well as New Zealand. I'm also excited, personally, about heading to a retreat in a couple of weeks. It's called The Great Create, and it's at the Tauhara Centre, which is in the middle of New Zealand's North Island. And it's a longer version of the retreat where the concept of this show was born. So, perhaps I'll be able to announce more creations at some stage in the future. Now, my guest today bucks the trend of this podcast so far, It's someone with a deep voice for the first time. (laughs) Isaac Oron is perfect for this Leo New Moon release because he's a guy that emanates the heart. Isaac is one of the founders and organizers of Earthbeat Festival and Autumn Equinox five-day gathering here in Aotearoa, when pandemics permit, and various other community events that he hugely plays down in this interview. He's someone who truly brings community together, His podcast, We Are One, is available on YouTube, and the website is in the show notes. Yeah, so hey Isaac, welcome to Unraveling Midlife. Um, You do take the accolades as the first man that I've interviewed on the podcast, uh, nearly a year and a half in.
1: (laughs) I feel privileged to be the first man, lots of heavy weight on me now. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well you don't need to speak for all men you know <laughs>
1: definitely not not endeavoring to do so as well yeah <laughs>
0: so tell us a bit about you what do you do what makes you tick what gets you going in the world
1: shall i start with the uh, refer me as uh, the gender he she e, they or stuff like that because totally uh, up to you <laughs> okay you mentioned the man but these days it seems to be really hard to actually figure it out what does that even mean um
0: it's true i'm still figuring it out as you can see <laughs> you mentioned it and yeah
1: yeah um and now that you said this word at the beginning that uh in midlife um you reminded me am i midlife or past it already I, who knows you know
2: <laughs>
0: well i think that's probably a good point to say mm-hmm. that i think a lot of people um take midlife as that when the kids have left home kind of stage yeah. of life and so for us these days that tends to be people in their 50s but astrological midlife has always been defined by certain planets and the angles they make to where they were when you were born and so for us that is around about like late 30s to early 40s so okay. so
1: I'm yeah i yeah, look early 40s i'm keen
0: yeah so so yeah. i looked up your dates and yeah you 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 finished those four transits late last april so yeah just over a okay. year
1: ago okay that's nice to know i wasn't aware of those transits yeah um sorry and what was your question again or what's your um
0: oh, tell us about
2: you
1: All oh, right. yeah um what should i tell about me um I am happily living in New Zealand at the moment, something that um, I was always in two minds about it, Um, I've been in New Zealand for 20 years. I am actively doing different things, some of them are male related, some less male related, more community related. um, I've always been uh, around um activation of different communities even though at the beginning of my journey in new zealand and elsewhere i was um sometimes a teacher um reflecting upon that like a high school teacher um a food technology in new zealand for some time and in the food industry sorry um and um for a decade um but always kind of felt that i i wish to be um really plugging into communities and see uh, what else is there for us because uh as a child growing in israel i've always asked questions especially about um the biblical stories as the relationship with the god at the time and uh i was always uh eager to understand some of the stories and some of the decisions that God made, and I was having a conversation with my grandfather and my father about it. Um, And then my grandpa uh, passed away um, and I had a really strong relationship with him. Um, my name is uh, Isaac, which in Hebrew means Itzhak, which means uh, laughter. Um, So the son of Ibrahim in the Bible was named Isaac or Itzhak because uh, If people remember that story, uh, where God asked Abraham to prove his loyalty to God by sacrificing his only son. Um, And then um, Abraham was just about to do so. And then God said, hold off, hold on your knife. Now, I just tested you. I realize you're loyal to me. You don't need to kill your only son. You're all good to go so ibrahim named his son isaac for the laughter and joy that it brought him not to needing to sacrifice him so that's there you go that's the meaning of the name in hebrew or any name that you hear isaac that's the reference for it um so obviously it's like a biblical name so in a way i do reflect that name because i as from when i remember myself growing up in the neighborhoods of tel aviv and jaffa um, I was uh, reflecting that laughter, whether it's uh, with friends, family, um, being really light, um, joyful, um, taking stuff uh, not too serious. And then, um, you know, I'm, I'm in my 40s now, so my life I divided into two until my dad passed away and f- and then from that moment on. But until my dad passed away, I had a very grown-up life in a way since age of almost zero. Um, so really, kind of um, resilience and maturity from really young age due to different experiences: some family, some personal, some all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, deaths in family, which ended up with the death of my Uh, father passing away when he was only 50 or something like that um and so that impacted and shaped uh the way i am but along those challenges and very significant challenges actually in life um i had always the the moments of joy and smile and and making jokes and trying to see the light within and really kind of solidifying that conceptual of holding a name to something and in a way i find it um you know i've never had like strong connections to names i feel we are many things but um yeah to call myself isaac laughter joy it seems kind of okay to me um so yeah and then The second stage since then, I was in the exploration mode in the opening. And funnily enough, on my dad's graveyard on the stone, I ended up um, asking to have a a line from a beautiful poem by an Israeli poet. And uh, it says uh, in Hebrew, Nishmat avi be'amud tichon it's hard sometimes to translate stuff from Sanskrit, whether it's Hindu, Hebrew, Arabic to English because the meanings sometimes of these words are a lot more deeper than just the functional English language and some words you can have so many descriptions in English but they can't really get to the essence but what it says in roughly is my dead soul is on a high tower of light and its voice goes to the end of the world and unknowingly a few years later i ended up moving to new zealand which in a way is kind of the end of the world mm-hmm. um, as, as the conceptual of our planet um it's really almost coming to antarctica which not many people live there. Um, and in a way I uh, represent that soul of my father or our AIM sisters, or uh, you know, we're all connected. So, and then I reflected upon that only years after, and I realized, oh my gosh, I actually had it on my dad's stone and um this beautiful poem that talks about the relationship between father and son, um, and ended up, you know, not thinking about it and moving to New Zealand um so it was like oh okay wow this um manifested this sort of little say Um, so sometimes we say we connected to something we're not sure why and 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 then life goes on and it happens and you then even don't know that it's happening until you all of a sudden remember something and you're like oh wait a minute i see the connection here um and yeah, my life um, were so from that moment was quite um, blooming in so many ways. Um, I, I had possible first experiences of um, psychedelic in my life in my early twenties, which um, influenced and helped um, opening pathways that um, possibly were always there, but just um, helping tapping into those pathways. Um, to rediscover the beauty in our existence, in the world, in the relationship between one to um, papa tuanuku, to Mother Nature, and then obviously between humans, um, and and the relationship that is so intricate and so volatile, but yet so deep and meaningful as well at the same time. Um, and yeah, and I'm I'm kind of. Currently busy with lots of community projects, and I like what you sent me about uh, you know different timelines of these transits um, of the planets, uh, something like that from the last maybe decade or so, or mm. um, more than a decade from two thousand and three and five. Obviously, I left Israel in two thousand and three, so that process of first transit was, uh, uh, in a way, a transit from me as well um
0: it was your yeah. station return so that's that's something that happens in for people in their late 20s and something big kind of happens around then like some right. people get married some people have kids some people get divorced some people move countries like,
1: yeah <laughs> that's yeah. right so to me it was that um and then uh, i think it was something about the beginning of uh, the last decade um 2011 or so um facing biggest fear I think, um, I don't know if I've had the biggest fear since um, my dad passing away, you know, as as a child or as someone that loves family, one of our biggest fears is to let go of people we love. Mm -hmm. Um, Because when it happens, there is no going back. There is no, wait a minute, I forgot to say something or whatever that is. But then you realize also separation between people. You don't need to die to have that sort of separation, it's almost all the same as the same grief of letting go of someone passing away um, because that process is exactly the same process, the process of let go, the process of the detachment from, from someone um, that we love. And we are very amazing creatures, human beings, because we we can show immense love um there's not many animals that can do something like that in so many ways as well in so many um beautiful ways um of course there is the other side of it as well um but i'm, I'm going to concentrate on the love so the fear i guess for me actually the biggest fear i wouldn't say i don't know if it's the biggest fear but the biggest concern uh, actually came about the last past two years <laughs> And so maybe it was a gradual thing because for a long time i felt something is not quite right in the actions of the world Um, i guess many people feel like that but it's so easy to be in the doing and in the in the way of life and and as humans we are creatures of habits creatures of comfort and laziness all of us are the same in that regards you know um and i feel like um many of us maybe feel sometimes hmm, you know something is not quite fits well um do we really reach our human potential is it the best we can do but i'd rather go to the movies tonight and and do that for example or whatever that is so So, I mean, this biggest fear maybe was evolution because as a result of kind of concern and noticing those changes, um, you know, I think I was maybe 11 uh, or 12 just before my bar mitzvah stuff, which in in Israel, Jewish people celebrate uh, male coming to maturity when they're 13. So there is this celebration. And female, funny enough, they're 12, obviously, when they get to maturity. So slightly always always ahead of men always, yeah. <laughs> yeah always ahead of men men don't recognize that so much um because uh, men being men you know um so i can speak on behalf of men so i haven't been female as far as i remember in this lifetime um so it's hard for me to fully embrace the knowledge of femininity although we we have both sides of course um but I remember I think I was about eleven or something like that when I started to challenge. Um, i I was going to this rabbi that was teaching me a few things about the Bible, so I can be ready for the day because it's a big day in synagogue. you you learn some paragraphs and you read them, and everyone is celebrating, and it's great. And I had this uh, thing uh, from the Bible to read that was um, the relationship between Moses, which was the Israeli a Jewish prophet, uh, the Israelites prophet that essentially opened the door for the people of Israel to come from Egypt and move from slavery into the freedom and eventually go to uh, the promised land of Israel. But um, so one of my part was actually uh, reading the, the relationships. I can't remember exactly the paragraph, but it was about the relationship that God eventually said to Moses that he won't be able to go and won't. So he got punished for not obeying God in some couple of things. And then I, was, I, I felt like what an evil bastard he is. You know, Moses put it himself, all his life dedicated for this God, did everything he wanted, yeah, and sometimes, maybe a couple of times said, hey, you know, I'm going to make my own decision about something. You said something, but I want to take care of these people that you want me to take out of Egypt, so thank you for telling me what to do, but I'm going to, you know, tap on on the rock and get some water for them to drink, whatever that was. And then God punished him for it. And I felt like really betrayed by God. And I was really challenging this rabbi um, and asking him, why is it God, if he knows everything and he allows us to be the way we are, obviously he created everything and it's he as well, right? As a reference. Um, Why the punishment? You know, why not to be in ease with it? Why not to be in acceptance? with whatever you created you know if you created everything you should be pretty pleased about it because if you didn't want it to be like that just don't let it be like that because you god you can do anything you like but if you want to have the free will for people bloody enjoy it and i had really awesome discussions with this uh, rabbi that eventually said look this god Although in reference, they say he, because most of these books were written by men, not, not female.
0: Yeah, thanks. might so been ref- able to write.
1: That's right. Yeah, exactly. And mostly this entity, it's you. It's what's in you. You are part of it. The truth You're, comes out. Yes, the truth comes out. Exactly right. So and from that process i started to question many things around the world many systems in which we took so much for granted so like for example i was always opposing the financial system the way it is i was like wait a minute is it like when i grew up i thought it's like coming from the gods you know we brought into it surely god did the same thing as anything else Just laid everything, there was the apple tree and the money tree. <laughs> and you realize, wait a minute, it's all beautiful creation of our imagination, everything. And due to that, we because we give value to that, it becomes our reality. In mm-hmm. fact, there is no difference between believing in God and believing that money buys you something. It's only the value that we give to it becomes that sort of reality to it um and from questioning all of these things eventually in New Zealand I was working in the food industry and uh, I was bothered by that because I remember many times I used to develop products for different companies uh, Middle Eastern some dairy f- companies and I wasn't big on consumerism so much um so I was always minimalistic in my life but also because we grew up like that and. I remember I just kind of had a massive problem in New Zealand supermarket chain where we used to have lots of products and they would be thrown away if it was about to be expired. And I'm talking masses of foods and I felt really uneased about it. Um, and then I felt even more uneasy about the way we consume stuff and how it's impacting everything we do. And of course, it's starting to be open up. You know, I watched Zeitgeist when I was in 1999 or 2000 or whenever it came out. And that movie was super brilliant because it took different parts, talking about the current financial system, which then at that moment, I was like, ah, there you go. It makes sense. That's exactly what I felt all the time. And it did mean that this is what it is. And then it, um showed a project called the venus project which is an incredible project by an incredible man and his wife at the time um really visionary to create an alternative ways of living and so i've always had this kind of uh tendency to be um i don't want to call it rebel because rebel seems to be something that is um you know trying to not be in the same stream of everything else, but. Um, A questionable, um, I I would say, questioning the narrative as it's been told to us. Um, Maybe a rebel, it's a good one as well. Why not? Um, And I feel like at the beginning of the last century, which is 2011 or so, maybe that started to unfold for me to shift from this paradigm and leave all these jobs that I'm doing. And um, I was always doing events and DJing and playing music. And I felt events and places like that are really good spaces for people to be connected, um, to let go of fear and concerns and worries, because when people have a joyous moment, and it can unfold in many ways, it doesn't have to be in an event, or you can have a beautiful meal with your friend, and in that moment, you're really there, you're really present. You you have the sense of taste and you're like, oh, she's food is incredible and you have beautiful conversation. So food is a great connection as well. Um, and I met a friend of mine, a beautiful sister of mine called Tamar, um, I think in 2012. Um, and it was big de- back then in 2012. It was the from 2010 or something like that. There was this buildup for 2012, the end of the world.
0: The, chain, the end of the mayan
1: calendar the end of the mayan calendar which actually what i said there was a big shift and there was a big shift shift of consciousness um and many things but obviously as humans like to also do is to make something to make it a product so there was books there were movies 2012 which was a bit disaster Uh, for the end of the world and then there was lots of talks and lots of prophets and everyone jumps on the bandwagon of the end of the world um went to a really good yoga event
0: like on the 21st of december and it was great it was in auckland on at a yacht club and heaps of people and we were all kind of celebrating together and then we looked around go is anything going to (laughs) happen
1: yeah and and why and why on the on on december like the mayan calendar wasn't quite on that day as well you know what i mean
0: oh that's true because then you yeah. it's like so i blood. mean like
1: it, exactly so i mean like even our reference to that is a bit kind of going by gregorian calendar but i don't know even currently there is so many calendars the jewish the muslim the chinese the hindu the christian the gregorian Um, And then we were waiting for it at the end of December as if the Mayan actually had a reference to that. But anyway, um, so I met Tamar and I shared with Tamar that I really want to leave all my jobs that I'm doing and uh, start doing more events that uh, can make an impact in our communities and really open people's mind and hearts. And yeah, and later on, a few years later, I activated it with a few brothers and sisters um, of mine at the time and we created a journey um, called earthbeat festival which essentially now is acting as an umbrella or as a container for many initiatives to take place rather than just a festival um, and we started in 2014 with different people at the time um beautiful souls that felt connected to that sort of uh story to be told um and to that um, purpose vision values um, and we decided to go for it despite some challenges because um, challenges are always there and it's great to have them and uh, since then we doing earthbeat festival on and off due to pandemic and all sorts of stuff like that of course um, We had many people in this group of uh, community. Um, And it's always going to take different shapes. Um, On a personal level, I feel uh, this is a platform, not only as the cowpapa or the purpose of Earthbeat platform for presence transformation, so we can empower um, and embrace new ways of living, regenerative new ways of living. It's also really to hold a space for people in this community to feel that they can activate their dreams and really tap into that beautiful knowledge wisdom and abundance of people that are part of it to invite them to take part in that because often i feel like anything we do as human beings has an aspect of ownership um as an aspect of attachment and control because it's hard for us to let go of stuff um you know try to hold your breath like that eventually the life force in you is just going to burst out um so that's that's kind of that's that's the attachment to all of these things um and i feel like um it's nice to always remind ourselves how we can actually Always create a platform that allows people to really truly shine in what they do and be themselves and be themselves uh, with no judgment. Um, Because often I find it really challenging to do projects with people because each one is a world on its own. Every human is a whole universe, you know, it's incredible. Whatever we see out there we have inside us like if i reflect upon all the neurons and all the cells in our brain which is billions and billions it's actually the same amount of all the stars or whatever galaxies and clusters that we see around us so i imagine sometimes i look up in the sky and and i have this sense of overwhelming i'm crying because it's so vast and the distances Are so incredible and so beyond our perception. You know, when we say light years and all these things, it's like, my gosh, what does that even mean? How, how is it there? How is it? And then you realize that it's all inside us as well, right? Mm -hmm. Like all these incredible organs in our body, all these incredible systems that currently, when I'm just standing like that, doing nothing. There is incredible things unfolding in me right now. All this blood going around, rushing, oxygen, taking molecules, moving around, viruses, fighting other viruses. And it's like, it makes me so humble by all of that, that sometimes when I talk to people and they tell me, oh, I'm not creative enough, I'm like, close your eyes. Think of all these processes in, in you right now and tell me that you are not creative tell me how this heart you know i think few months ago i reflected my dad passed away from heart attack so i have this relationship my grandfather passed away from heart attack so it's really cardiovascular is the number one killer for men um, for female is also dead but also cancer for example so it's really important to see how these number one killers in the world for female male gender Where is it coming from? And you realize because men represent the the power, the doing, the the provider, the control, you know, being controlled with yourself, the environment shows strength. Um, Hence why men are really stressed a lot of times. Men suffer from the most anxiety and mental depression more than female because female hold different traits. Female hold nurture care compassion. Um, female hold the motherhood. You know, you beautiful female bring life to this world through you. Um, so, female act differently with stress.
0: Well, and I think it's more socially acceptable for females to talk about their feelings, especially to each other. Exactly, it happens a lot, but for exactly. me, not so
1: much. For men, it's not so much, and then we contained the its stress in our cells in our body then eventually it explodes and men get heart attack or cardiovascular sort of all sorts of conditions um and that's what happens for men a lot of times so i had this relationship with heart and about a few months ago i reflected my gosh my heart i'm 46 now hasn't stopped for a second and if it did i would be dead and I mean like, what an incredible thing. I wonder how many times it went. So I kind of did a little calculation and it was 1 billion, 400 million 55 million roughly to my age on average use. And then I was thinking, oh my gosh, what an incredible thing. It just goes like that billions, hundreds of millions of times. Does it sting? and i really wanted to feel gratitude for it and acknowledge the incredible organ that is also a brain on its own because it's it has feelings and you know when we say heart space you know the mind is incredible thing because the mind allows us to imagine to to dream But the mind is also a deception little organ because it also sometimes, you know, it's this sometimes these people that sometimes says, hey, do this, and the other one, no. But when we really feel the heart space, heart space is these feelings that come from here, is this warmth. It's this sense of connection. It's sense of um, present. Because when you listen to it, it's, it's beats. It's kind of beating. It brings you really to be present with it, to really acknowledge life for what it is, for its simplicity. Because one day when it stops, and it will happen to all of us, fortunately, um, it just finishes this cycle. And it's incredible to actually notice that. So I really wanted to honor my organ at the time. So I said, I, I wrote this poem on my fake book uh, page, um, and it was about the heart and it was this kind of how much i love you you've been so i can't remember the exact words for it but you've been with me for a long time you haven't failed me um you're always there for me even if i'm not so much connected to you um and eventually thank you my heart you have been my best mate and you've been with me for one billion and i just put it over there and it made me cry Because I felt, oh my gosh, you're so amazing. I kind of gave it a virtual hug uh, in me. So, I mean, I really feel like that the project that we're doing now, especially with communities in times that require from us to really step up beyond our imaginary ego and control and power and my ways and these ways, and really embrace community in a sense that everyone is different everyone can bring something incredible let it be and don't try to control every aspect of everything that we do together because if you do it's just going to prevent from us to reach the ultimate um, wisdom and knowledge and whatever the potential it is that we can create together by holding that space for each other and allowing that to unfold for one another and see how we can actually take it, because we're now in times that require for us to really adopt new ways. And if we're going to be busy fighting, what does that look like? Um, there is another power, another stream of knowledge and wisdom as well that tries to create different things that are not so much aligned with my values, for example, or my um, human potential perception. Um, And it's also fine to acknowledge that there is other sides in the world that want more control, that want more power and more um, uh, streamline human behavior, um, with not so much freedom, freedom of thoughts, freedom of expression, um, and even to the degree that our biological existence is going to be controlled by some level of artificial intelligence and a uh, technology and if you think i'm a conspiracy theorist or anything like that just check some involvement of different companies like google facebook and all of these guys um, and and check out what's happening with artificial intelligence which is to me and many people actually from elon musk to Um, Yuval Harari um, or other people that saying that this is really the catalyst of human existence as we know it until now um, when we develop something that is by far is going to be outsmart any human that we know Um, so what are the possibilities for something like this we don't know Um, yeah and
0: there's a whole ethical moral kind of um charter that really needs to be considered here because I mean the astrology of the upcoming decade for example indicates that well actually through to 2040s is that our society will become more AI but also more community focused because that's Pluto coming into Aquarius which is that humanitarian community but also future technologies the internet AI all those kind of Mm. influences so as members of society, we do, I feel, need to step up and go, hang on, who is programming these AIs? Where are the ethics? Where are the lines? Because we do need to have checks, role in ethical checks. Software and AI is only as good as the people that program it. And what are their biases? What are their ethics? we have that opportunity now with the free will that we hold as humans to help shape that into a better future for us not one that's dictated by companies like google and other ai
1: companies mm.
0: I, I clearly feel quite passionate about this
1: <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm with you about it and it's also really hard to be in a space where no one is asking for you or i or or earthbeat or or i don't know even new zealand government or whatever that is uh, Mm. what this program is going to look like um, and how uh, what are these moral ethics that we can um, all agree upon um, because in a ever-evolving world of today um, it becoming more and more clear that there are more powers that control different things. And it's always been like that. It's nothing new. Uh, It's just a lot more open now.
0: Well, Uh, and we have that Pluto coming to just before it gets into Aquarius and in those late degrees of Capricorn, which rules traditional government structures, that that crumbles at this time. I mean, we're at that same point as when the Americans signed the um, Declaration of Independence. Like that was the similar kind of time structure. So, so when the old kind of falls away and the new comes in. So it's exciting times to be alive.
1: It is exciting times to be alive. Um, but you know, it's also as much as it's exciting, it requires from us to really move on from our habits of competition, of uh, mm-hmm. of control, of um I'm just allowed things, you know, if we if we like each other for our basic human values. And I feel like one of the things that we've been removed, many of us uh, as humans, as being animals as well on this planet, is the intuition. And many of us have been easily colonized in our brains um, to the degree that we no longer feel into stuff. I remember even putting a few comments on my LinkedIn or a few things. Then a few people would tell me, oh, you trust your intuition and I'll trust science, for example. And it made me wonder, what does that mean to someone to think that they trust science? As if science is this entity and he sits over there really wise and you come to science. Hey, science, how are you doing, mate? And science sits over there and you ask science and science tells, "It's like God.
0: And science says, yes, the earth is the same. And science says, yes.
1: And I felt like since when humans became so oblivious to the intuition, something that allowed us to survive many atrocities in this planet, from disasters, from feelings that "Mm, I don't need to be here now, I need to move to somewhere else. And second after, truck hits this car, This intuition, this feeling, which many animals still connect to it really well, that's what allows them to survive. For them, it's a survival. For humans, it's not only a survival. For humans, intuition can be a great decision to be made that would allow something to flourish, not necessarily to prevent an accident from happening. And intuition is a tool that we talked about the heart. Intuition is not so much the brain. Intuition is is, this gut, the digestion, gut feeling, heart. For some, uh, some,
0: this this is where I would refer you to the episode I did on human design, where we talked about different people who have different ways of. So, for half the population, it is looking into the gut. For some, it's like just getting an instinct. For some, they have to kind of sit with it and take some time. But yes, it's there. It's there. It's listening to our inner authority
1: yeah absolutely and i feel we have been removed from that unfortunately we have been bombarded with information that goes to here and then uh, it just feeds the rest of our existence unfortunately and i'm grateful that i just don't connect to it so much and it hasn't um it didn't take me over yet (laughs) And I feel uh, super, even more connected to my intuition like never before. And I feel great things and I let it uh, be. And in the last two years, I've made decisions decision on a personal level and more of a collective level that ended up based fully on my intuition. And they all were awesome. And I trust it. And even if it's sometimes going to fail me, I still going to trust it because yeah
0: is that something that has grown within you over time
1: it did yeah i think it was with me since i was really young i remember different things as a child going through immense challenges or episodes that were quite difficult and that intuition, as a child, the intuition is really strong for children. The, you know That's why they can be really fearful or can be really stuff um, going for it. But as a child, I was really intuitive. Um, but it's been growing um, a lot in the past decade, and especially in the last two years. Um, the last two years, I just didn't feel that things are quite okay um and i don't want to go into different things so we can have less judgmental discussion but it just didn't feel quite well and um, i was asking a few things and sure by asking questions these days you are sometimes getting tagged or stigmatized by this or that for only asking a question not even taking any sort of um hard side of anything um but yeah it has been growing enormously in the past 2 years um and it's something as i said again all the projects that i've been involved in the last decade so in 2018 i left all the jobs that i was ever doing in corporate for example saying i will never go back to that um and um and and yeah so all this intuition building up and now my intuition tells me we must show up to our potential and we must show up to really kind of demonstrate something different to what we've been told as the only way of uh human existence whether it's how we conduct transaction between humans or exchange um, how we actually refer to one another uh, what is it that is inside us so i feel like now it's really a time for us to show up to that um and I find it as well for myself sometimes hard. We got up in the little details. We caught up in the um, in the in the wish list of of the of I. Um, and then uh, sometimes it's really hard to bring it together. And so I'm really interested to know and see from people how we can actually um, do stuff together that are more open more embracing less judgmental and um and not needing to have a control as such but allow things to unfold allow things we trust that we're going to be okay if we trust as soon as we bring uh fear as soon as we allow um perfection to Unfold in our mind, um, it prevents from us to really reach those uh this potential. Um, you know, because I feel like um I'm surrounded with some incredible projects at the moment around me by different people, some men, some women. Um, and most of them, the ones that are currently taking off, are the ones that these people left aside. uh, power control and get, trying to be perfect and they just went for it and said hey we need to have something going on right now because the world requires that and let's worry about the perfection as we go let's learn as we go in fact let's make mistakes because if we don't that means we don't do anything so mistake doesn't exist unless you take it and if you've missed it wonderful." You definitely learned something from it. And if you haven't, you have community around you to remind you, hey, you know, let's try and do this instead. And that's the space I feel we need to start embracing more in our collective projects to be able to really um, create something new so we can demonstrate other people that there is a potential to create something new it doesn't need to come from someone telling you what to do it doesn't need to be centralized it doesn't need to be told it can be unfolded by the beauty of collective wisdom of collective action Um, and it's really beautiful at the moment to notice few projects Um, so alongside i would say the darkness which is also beautiful to me but alongside that there is beautiful light that is taking shape as well um, and to me you know one of the highlights of this year for me i've done many events in my life Earth Beat festival and other events and things like that um, i have been in the protest in wellington now before you judge me to be anti this or anti-death um, i'm not anti-anything i'm pro-life and i'm pro-human potential and I'm pro-love and acceptance, Um, so I'm anti-anything really. I'm anti-human trying to portray others as something because we are far from one thing. We are so many layers, so you're not one thing. I'm all for science. I think it's a wonderful subject, but science is all about exploration and debate and questioning. If you aren't able to question it, it becomes religion. And religion is a dogmatic place. It's do this, if not, you're dead. If this, you go to hell. And science became like that. But anyway, one of the biggest uh, moments in my life this year and for a long time was the protest in Wellington. The reason I went there is because unfortunately that uh, congregation down in Wellington was portrayed by the media and the government as white supremacist, Nazi. Uh, what are the words they have been used? I can't remember, but something like that. So I was really kind of eager to see it for myself. As someone from Israel, I've always wanted to speak to Nazis and really find out why they are Nazis, you know? I was fascinated by them, I'm fascinated. I studied history all my life because I was really interested to understand how Germany became Nazi. How is it that the whole nation almost ended up just allowing things to unfold in such way, knowing what's going on, hearing this hatred from whomever the leaders or the time were. And I was fascinated to speak to people because to me, um, I've always wanted to speak to people. Whether it's is in Israel, I would go to Arab villages that I know they dislike Jewish people and Israelis, and I would speak to them. What is the bridges that we have together? You know? So I went down to Wellington. Obviously, I didn't find those people so much. So unfortunately for me, I wasn't able to have conversation with Nazis or many white supremacists. Although they might have been there.
0: You didn't find them? You didn't find
1: any? Not so much. I I didn't. I saw some people that were a bit, you know, I don't even like to say right wing or left wing, because to me they're all the same, they're all full of shit. To be frankly honest, (laughs) all these colors are exactly the same. All of it is the same. And so it comes down to really two kinds of people on this planet. Very simple. There is assholes and there is great people. The difference between the two, the great people, sometimes assholes as well, but they recognize that they don't shy to be told that you haven't done that well at this time and they want to be better. The assholes on the other end, they know they're assholes and they don't give a shit. So those two kinds of people exist everywhere I visited around the world regardless of what imaginary culture they put on, imaginary religion they put on, financial status, Kiwis, Israelis, Arabs, Muslim, Jews, Christians, black, white, female, male, those those two people, that's it. And so I went down to Wellington, and sure, some people weren't the nicest, but what I've seen is the old Kiwi spirit that allowed me to fall in love with this country. And if until the protest, or maybe until the last two years, I wasn't feeling so home in New Zealand, and I've been here for 20 years. And sure, there's cultural differences and all sorts of stuff like that. But that moment allowed me to really connect to the beauty of people coming together and creating something incredible with not so much ego. That's why even the media and the New Zealand government, so who is the leader? There is no leader over there to talk to. You need to have a leader so we can speak to the leader. And and to me it was actually, and some people know, it's this Brian Tamaki is the leader. He influences everything. And the others know it's Trump supporters. And the others is the right wings and the white supremacists and the mobs and this and that. And what I've seen over there, and I was there for 10 days, I interviewed dozens of people. I interviewed grandfathers, grandmothers, elderly. I interviewed white, black. I interviewed Kiri Europeans, Pakia, Maori. I interviewed foreigners. I interviewed rough people. I interviewed gang members. I interviewed... Um, my girlfriend, I interviewed other people that were there. I interviewed a police officer. I interviewed a bunch of people, range of people. And what I saw is a beautiful spirit. It's been created without necessarily a planning of something. People helped each other to provide food. People helped each other to have sanitation. People helped each other to create toilets when the portals were blocked in coming in. So plumbers from Wellington showed up and built a toilet in three hours. And I find it to be an incredible spirit. And as someone that does events, that we need to control everything and know everything and tell people what to do. And you realize when people really kind of been pushed and they need to do something, we are the most incredible creatures to organize. And that's why we are the most successful organism on the planet at the moment. Because we are the most well-organized organism in small group of people and in larger group of people, and that was a large group of people that was organized. And when challenges came, people just like, okay, let's do this, and yeah, we do that. And and I find it to be really fascinating. It really reminded me that spirit, that beautiful human spirit, that beautiful um, connection to our intuition, to our Uh, less fear and just kind of okay there is a challenge let's deal with that don't worry about don't try to think what else can come up because we are best when we actually needing to deal with it if you're trying to prevent things to happen and have control of the future you're going to live in fear all your life and that's what companies do they have forecasts and I remember sitting in meetings in corporates with CEOs and all these smart people that wear all this attire and things like that. And the hours talking of forecasts, moving numbers. Then the week after they come back, oh, shit, these numbers, won. let's change it now. It's two years time. It's two different forecasts. And sometimes I wanted to say to them, maybe instead of that, shall we start to enjoy the day? Really? Shall we start kind of embracing the fact that we're spending the same space together? Shall we start growing emotionally? Shall we start growing as a team rather than putting hours and hours to try and have the best forecast ever? Which, by the way, it was never successful. Um, So I mean, like, and so that protest in Wellington connected me a lot more in a deeper connection to Aotearoa, to New Zealand, in a way that I felt that I now made sense to me why I came here 20 years ago. And it's great because we've been an hour now in the discussion. So it allows me to wrap up things. So it allowed me to reflect upon why I came here. So if all these 18 years or 20 years to build up to it, I was like, oh, you know, yes, uh, I feel more connected to other places. And New Zealand is possibly one of the only places around the world that can lead new ways of living by example that can actually demonstrate something else. Because I've visited maybe 30 countries, I'm coming from places that there is so many layers of toxicity and worries and fear and concerns and, and, and ways of living that it's hard for people to really be embraceive and say, yeah, let's do something different. And I feel New Zealand is definitely one of the only few that has that Abundance of land capacity, not many people, resources that almost unlimited to some degree, water, shelter, uh, food, um, fertile grounds. And I'm really feeling passionate about it now. And now I feel it. I feel that this is going to be a home for the new world as we want to see it unfolding. So, I no longer going to go to protests against any government because it's a waste of time. We're now going to be in a process of actually creating alternative to everything that we've been wanting to and spend the energy in that creative energy rather than needing to tell it to someone, you're not good anymore. Um, But yeah, we're always going to be ready both emotionally, physically, if things unfolding in a way that unfolded in history in the past in not such a great way but we will be busy right now in creating something amazing rather than needing to fight something of the old paradigm so the way we're going to basically take over is by showing the path demonstrating something new and And so
0: how how what are what are your projects that are that are doing that that you want to share with listeners
1: um one of the for me the biggest the two biggest things is one of them is to bring basic needs for everyone um because once we have basic needs met for people then we can step up you know it's in psychology you learn the Maslow pyramid for example which allows people first of all to have the basic needs food water shelter uh, social interaction love Mm -hmm. connection contact yeah Um, So if we can provide that to people and remove that 99.9% of the world population suffers from from that, whether it's needing to fight for the dollar, especially nowadays, we see how everything is so incredibly expensive uh, to live in New Zealand is one of the most expensive countries in the world to be at at the moment, whether it's housing, no one almost can afford to get a house these days, um, some ridiculous prices. So for me, One of the projects I'm involved now is to actually one is a community land where we're going to try and get a space um, with really shared values and simple values and shared purpose that is really easy to adopt um, and really feel into each other to see that we actually coming with that rather than I'm coming to make some money now and buy something that in three years, I'm going to sell it and create millions in my bank, because um, one of the books I really liked reading in the last two years called The Great Reset by Klaus Schwab is the World Economic Forum uh, uh, CEO, leader, whatever. And one of the taglines of the book is by 2030, you will own nothing and you're going to be happy. Um, in fact, after reading the book, I emailed Klaus Schwab asking him if you will change that to we will own nothing and we will be happy. I might consider that. Uh, but since, and I asked him where are you in that, you will own nothing and you'll be happy. Obviously, I haven't gotten a reply to that. But I mean, like, <laughs> so noticing on these things and realizing where some streams on this planet wanting to take us to, um, I'm going to be involved in projects such as community land, creating food forests to be fully self-sustainable and creating some level or not some level, creating um, a new economic system that is gonna be parallel to the current one, as we know it, banking, dollars, whatever, that would allow us to actually step up and step out from that and would allow us to interconnect all these communities because currently there is many initiatives of community land in New Zealand. They really are. They are popping up everywhere. And I feel now we're not only in the process of needing to create um, reliance of our foods our water our shelter but we also need to connect and so you know one community can be amazing in growing different things and the other one doing this and we have here some skilled people that we can share so i see that all these communities to be like we pop over from one to another and like i don't know i'll give an example i visited an amazing community or land in kerry Keri Keri up north in New Zealand, Bay of Islands is really well known for the citrus uh, that grows really well on this land. The Bay of Plenty is really well known for avocados and kiwis and apples, Um, just as an example. So every land can be fertile in different ways and we can connect and share these resources and we can have different form of exchange, whether it's going to be a virtual currency that is absolutely detached and decentralized, even from the current Bitcoin mentality, which is the same, uses beautiful technology, but also adopts the same um, principles of the current economic system. Mm -hmm. So we want something completely different. We want to have universal basic income that doesn't come from government anymore uh, because we saw what happens when it comes from government like Justin Trudeau in, uh, in Canada um didn't like a very peaceful protest of truckers and blocked their accounts so mm-hmm. they couldn't actually go and buy food for themselves or pay rent for themselves and that's in a country that is not china or north korea that's in canada canada and new zealand up to two years ago were the most well-sought countries in the western world or in the world to go and live and now those two countries becoming like shit i don't want to go there um and I'm I'm here, so I see the potential rather than what others friends of mine from around the world say, dude, it's too crazy what's happening in New Zealand or in Canada. I don't want to be part of these nations, but as I said again, I feel in New Zealand there is great potential. And so we're going to be involved in creating those two alternatives for people. One is a living situation, um, and the second thing is the exchange transaction, and it's gonna be several ways. Um, It's going to be potentially decentralized currency, a skill, time, barter. So imagine a platform that you can choose um, how you want to interact with different communities or different person. I can maybe sometimes offer you a bit of coin and and maybe also I'm great in doing this and you want to have that as well. So we can share that as well. It just uh, Ultimately, it just to evolve from a pattern in our brain. Is to retrain our brain to think differently, mm. and, uh, and that's what the protest gave me—the um, hope that people can actually retrain themselves to think differently, and to to be able to adopt new pathways in our thinking. And um, all we need to do—you don't need everyone to adopt it. That's uh, that's also beautiful. So we don't need to be scared. Oh shit. How can you convince many people that are, you know, we we agree that most people, all of us are creatures of laziness, comfort, and no one wants to be challenged because it requires energy. And I'd rather drink my coffee, see the Tom, read the book or paint or whatever. Um, but uh, it only requires a few people to start something. And it's like avalanche, you know. And it
0: grows, it gets to that tipping point, doesn't
1: oh, it? Yeah and when it grows it's unstoppable and trust me ask hitler ask stalin ask many people that were ask even you know the arab rising for example in the arab world muslims were suppressed heavily whether it's female male female mostly but also all of them And then in 2011, in many Arab countries, now I'm not going to go into how it started, you know, CIA intervention, blah, 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 whatever. But people felt that they didn't want it anymore. They didn't want to be suppressed anymore. They didn't want to be limited. But the only problem in every revolution that we had in the past, whether it's the black movement or whatever that is, most of them just uh, knew what they don't want they didn't have a vision of what they actually want and this robust vision of what they want. Just to say, I want to be free. What does that mean?
0: Yeah, it's from everyone.
1: Exactly. So for us now, it's not only what we don't want. We, do, we know what we don't want. Now it's time to actually show up and create some beautiful, tangible ways that whomever is looking at it, they're going to be like, Oh, that looks that looks great! I want to try it out. And, and so
0: people have that opportunity, like you have. With Earthbeat Festival coming up, how yeah. do people who this all kind of feels way outside the scope of what they've even contemplated before?
1: So you know, we can. They people can plug into whatever we do in many ways whether it's through earthbeat festival whether it's through heart space whether it's through spirit festival Luminate festival whether it's through personal connections um, whether it's through uh, um, your podcast for example we're having a conversation now and someone looking at that and say hey wait a minute that that evokes something in me i want to talk farther about it So these days, actually, there is, you know, I also want to refrain from trying to have a a one container as this is us and this is them, you know, this is EarthBit. What unique about EarthBit? There is nothing unique about Earthbeat apart from the fact that what's unique about it, it's the intention that people bring into it. And that intention exists in other things that are unfolding in New Zealand at the moment. That intention exists in many different names of umbrellas that currently taking shapes in New Zealand, different containers. They call themselves different, but the intention is the same. So for me, I want to recognize the similarity and assimilate and beautifully weave it together so we can really invite people. So there is many ways in which people can be involved in that, whether it's the F-bit container, whether it's through podcasts that they hear, whether it's to come to the community gatherings that we're doing, I did a few days ago, uh, just a you know small dinner potluck slash a, a intention share with few people that interested in community land, um, and I normally put it out there uh, through Facebook or through different channels. I'm also doing a podcast called "Wow, uh, We Are One," um, and I truly believe that we are one. Even if you dislike each other, you're still one on this planet, living on the same area using the same resources, the same um, needs. Um, So WOW Podcast is also uh, a good platform for people to plug into, uh, get some different sources of of information um, and then have discussions about it. And really, if you're interested, I feel the intuition will take you to whatever that is that you need to be. So be connected to that. Listen to your heart listen to it do meditation do exercise feel into it good good food allows us to be in that space um and and then you'll find it you know like i ended up coming to new zealand somehow and it now makes sense to me why i'm here so you said it's exciting to be alive i am excited to be alive because some of us are pioneering something new and uh the rest of us are going to become pioneers as well because they're going to adopt that and they're going to shape it in different ways as well. Because that's the beauty about humans coming together. There is a start seed. And then when it goes, it takes different shapes. It takes different fruits are growing on different um, branches. Um, and I'm excited about it. So um, if people want to plug in unlimited ways to do that.
0: Thanks so much, Isaac. If people want to find you, what's the best way? You've got the Wow We Are One podcast
1: yeah earthbeat community wow podcast um my facebook page isaac i-s-s-a-c-o-r-o-n last name Oron. um email address um is um isaac at earthbeatfestival.com um phone number is also actually on my on my website and stuff like that so there is ways in which people can reach out and what's is your even- website um, the website is wow. We are one podcast experience. Um, and, uh, the Facebook page is easy cause everyone is on Facebook. Um, wow. and the, lots all, of people, <laughs> lots of people. That's true. Not everyone, I guess, but, uh, I'm, I'm going to be removed from there soon. Uh, cause I feel that it's not the quite platform that I wish to be part of, but currently it allows me to connect easily with many people. Um, And all my contact information are actually there, including whatever you want to reach out, whether it's a phone conversation or email or a message or a video call or whatever. So um, easy to reach out.
0: Great. Well, thanks, Isaac. And let's keep moving forward with heart.
1: Yeah, with heart. Lots of love. Thank you for the time. I really appreciate it.
0: I mentioned earlier that I do have a creative retreat coming up and I have the sense that it will revitalize this section of the show in terms of music. For now, here's an astrological midlife song I wrote a few years ago where I try to make sense of a breakup during my Pluto square transit. Perhaps it will get a revision and maybe a rewrite at some stage. Performed live at the Voices of Sacred Earth Festival 2018, complete with background chatter, and in thing with today's show, here's the heart.
2: A love that's shared for a time. They say it's better to have loved and lost. And let the memory shine. We get so caught up in the service love. The income battle and ability on all levels and it would seem to me that that type of love is just a fantasy What? Yeah.
0: Travelling Midlife is brought to you from Aotearoa, New Zealand by www.sarahmarlowspence.com Theme music is by Sarah Marlowe Spence and Saraswati Marie Willis and art by Samantha Hepburn.